0: The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place
1: to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Has there been a sinister alien plan in place to influence world governments, financial systems, and scientific institutions throughout history? Was there an Eisenhower Treaty with the Greys, signed at Holloman Air Force Base in 1954, they gave the aliens authority to abduct humans for, quote-unquote, research? Did reptilian-influenced ex-Nazis infiltrate the U.S. government? Have reptilians created alien-human hybrids under their control to replace the human population? These are some of the questions answered in a new book titled Alien World Order, The Reptilian Plan to Divide and Conquer the Human Race, authored by tonight's special guest. Len Kasten, a UFO researcher and freelance writer. He's a former member of the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, NICAP, and the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON, and he's the president of the American Philosopher Society. He has been a feature writer with more than 50 published articles for Atlantis Rising Magazine, and he joins us not too far away from me in Casa Grande, or Casa Grande, Arizona. Hello, Len, and welcome back to Veritas. How are you?
0: Hi, Mel. I'm great. It's great to be with you again. Great to be with you. It's been
1: a few years now. There was a book in the middle, I think, uh, uh, Project Serpo, that we missed for some reason having you on.
0: All right. Exactly. Yeah. We did speak, but I don't think that we talked about the
1: book. By the way, since you live in Casa... Is it Casa Grande or Casa Grande? There's always a debate.
0: Uh, very few people here really call it Casa Grande. It's co- it's mainly Casa Grande now. Gotcha. It's Casa Grande. It's anglicized completely. Well, then,
1: we are used to discussing the New World Order on this program. The title of your book is Alien World Order. Are you implying that Earth is ruled or planning to be ruled by an alien race? Yes, I am.
0: Yes, I am. Now, why do you say are that? Now, others are now coming around to it. Stanton Friedman has just, mentioned, has just talked about it. Linda Moulton Howe is now talking about it. Of course, David Icke has been talking about it for years. Others are finally coming around to seeing our situation here. It's taken this long for our consciousness to penetrate the fog that they have us under and to comprehend what's going on. But it's clearly, clearly, I'm totally convinced it is exactly what's happening.
1: Now, you begin the book by discussing the work of H.G. Wells and some of his work. You know, it, you know we know it's, it's almost prophetic. Let's begin with H.G. Wells, not, not to be confused with Orson Welles, who narrated uh, War of the Worlds in in, in 1938. What are some of the things that he prophesies that seem to be
0: coming true? Well, I think that book that I mentioned in my book, The War in the Air, was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, It was so accurate about World War II that it would be hard for anyone to have gotten any more accurate than that. I mean, he wrote that book uh, in 1907 when, when the Wright brothers had barely gotten their craft off the ground. And here he just, here he laid out a, a scenario of a complete world war fought in the air with planes. So uh, most people thought he was lying. They thought he was actually deceiving. And the headlines in the New York newspapers was flyers or liars when they reacted to the Wright brothers' uh, uh, news. So at that point, in 1907 to have written a story like this and to have so so beautifully described hitler what could have been hitler of course he didn't call him hitler but a person like that he calls him albert i believe uh, it, it was very overwhelming and as i said in the book it, it was not more than just a psychic more than just psychic knowledge it had to be something like a a, a crystal ball a la nostradamus because it was so accurate so for somebody like that to have written the story, the Time Machine, you just had to pay attention to it because of his, because of his history and his reputation as a prophet, and uh, that book, the Time Machine, was an exact description uh, of what we are going through today, and it certainly would involve what he called the Morlocks, we would call now the reptilians.
1: Well, about the Wright brothers. He wrote this shortly after, but even during the time when they were flying those planes, people didn't believe him, and they took him to court. You know the story.
0: I know, I know. Flyers or liars was the headline of the New York Times and the New York Herald. Exactly. Now, large, how do
1: you think that he was able to describe Hitler so well?
0: I don't know what I don't know what his powers of prophecy really where they came from. But he had them for sure, uh, because to to have written this story about a war in the air at that point in history, to know that we would actually we would actually encounter a war in the air because that's what World War II really was was a war in the air, from the German rockets through to the B-17 raids, it was all in the air, and uh, to have done that. He had to be getting his information from a very esoteric source. Uh, he, it could 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 be con, it could be considered remote viewing, and if I were to give it a name today, that's what I would call it. Uh, he evidently had the ability to do remote viewing. It's the only way he could have done what he did. Could we say the same thing about?
1: I'm just I'm drawing a blank. What's his name? uh, uh journey to the uh, bottom of the sea, Jules Verne. Jules Verne, yes. Same thing, Jules Verne.
0: Jules Verne, possibly, and also Edgar Rice Burroughs. That's right. And I mentioned Edgar Rice Burroughs because his book *Princess Princess of Mars* was really the predecessor to *Star Wars*. And can Princess Leia, she was a reincarnation of uh, of the Princess from Mars. Is that right? Well, yeah! In fact, I wrote one paragraph on Burroughs. All the things, all the things that he that he anticipated were unbelievable. All the developments, the scientific developments. So, uh, and and you know, and and George Lucas does give credit to uh, to Burroughs for his a lot of his ideas. So you
1: think uh, a lot of the Star Wars cri- script was based on that story?
0: I do, I, especially the tempo, which was the the pace of the story, the way it. The way it, it unrolled un, was very much like Princess of Mars, and 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 since Lucas does give him credit for it being an inspiration, I think we could say there's a direct 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 line of descendants descended from uh, from Burroughs to Lucas.
1: But but you see, I can see how people like uh, Gene Rothenberry and George Lucas and some of the others, uh, you know what's his name from ET why am i missing these names ET and poltergeist what's his name
0: uh from ET
1: yes the director of ET
0: Steven Spielberg Steven Spielberg how can i
1: be forgetting that name <laughs> see i don't
0: want it's, it's <laughs> to forget
1: all these people they have been exposed to to so many science fiction the science fiction genre i mean flash gordon in the 1930s was great and all that but these people Burroughs and and Jules Verne where did they were not exposed to science fiction. They created science fiction, didn't they?
0: Exactly, and even Journey to the Center of the Earth. That we really yes. are we really are journeying way down now under the earth, and so that was prophetic in a lot of ways too. Although we haven't gotten to the center of the earth, we—I guess you're familiar with the Genesis story about the civilization under the South Pole.
1: So definitely,
0: apparently being being uh, discovered now.
1: By the way, since you're a a good investigator. You probably have heard of all these nation leaders and religious leaders, even Buzz Aldrin, going all the way down to Antarctica. What do you think they're uncovering there, Len?
0: Well, you know, for a long time, I just believed that the reptilians had their colony there under the under the ice, and that they invited Hitler to build his refuge there because they were basically behind him in World War II. They were really uh, co-conspirators. And so they were together in this. That's the only explanation as to why Hitler would have gone to all that trouble in 1938 to create an entire colony with botanists and scientists and, and all, of his, all of his top scientists in the anti-gravity development were all sent there. New Schwabenland, right? New Schwabenland. Why would he have done that in 1938 when he was just gearing up for World War II? It was, you know, unless he, unless he knew, he was invited there and he was, he was basically being, he was being really being sponsored by the Reptilians, which I'm sure he was. I know he was. And there's
1: plenty of evidence to show that Hitler did not die in that bunker. All we see is a picture of a smaller man. And some people say that it was the Russians, actually, who, who uncovered that it was a woman.
0: Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. Even though, did it have it? had a mustache, didn't did, well, it?
1: Well, he had a mustache. Whether it was a real mustache or not, I don't know. I, but no, I, I've seen the pictures of that dead body, and it does not look like Hitler at all.
0: I know does not, and the the dental work does not really match. And you know that Stalin was Stalin told Truman at the Casablanca conference. I mean, sorry, I think it was Yalta. I'm sorry, at the Yalta conference, that Hitler was not dead.
1: Now, did he say that after they um buried the body because the Russians were the ones who 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 found him right
0: yes, the Russians got there got there first wasn't Yalta the final conference which was what was the final conference between the big three? I think it was Yalta yeah it was that Yalta yes and when Stalin told that to Truman and uh that is quoted in several places. Hitler is not dead he's still alive
1: and we have a i like to spend more time later on this because he went to argentina he lived in a house in the border with argentina in brazil and you have a picture of that that house and i like to know what happened there with eva you know brown and and so on you know the fact that they had this base new Schwamela, but the united states also had little america there too didn't they
0: uh, yes, they did, but it was nothing like what they had there in Neshwaveland. Neshwaveland was a very sophisticated colony. Their top their top scientists were sent there. Kamler, the guy who was in charge of the development in, in Czechoslovakia, that's where he ended up. And uh, he was in charge of all the secret uh, scientific development programs in, in, uh, in Czechoslovakia. And when the Allies got to Prague... To, he was gone, he was gone, and he never showed up again. So I'm quite convinced that he, if he didn't end up in Argentina, he definitely ended up in in um, in New Schwabenland.
1: And again, we'll discuss more of this later because this has always fascinated me that the way that he was oh you know was able to evade the intelligence apparatus of the United States even after Dulles created the CIA. But that's a we'll talk about that later. Now a large portion of your book is dedicated to again the reptilian. In fact, the title, again, of the book is The Reptilian Plan to Divide and Conquer the Human Race. Why do you say that?
0: Well, it's becoming more and more clear that they have been living underground ever since Atlantis went down, where the Atlanteans actually forced them to go underground because the Atlanteans had high technology too. Uh, And I've made the point in my book that the Atlanteans were a very fierce human race. They were not the human race that you and I know as Homo sapiens sapiens. They were different. And the reason they were different is because they really came from the the Pleiades. Originally, they came from Lyra, which all the humans did in this galaxy. But they were were sort of uh, rebels in the alliance, in the human alliance, that resulted when the reptilians destroyed three planets in Lyra. Uh, so, though, that, that race of humans that populated Atlantis was able to actually defeat the reptilians on this planet because they had high tech weaponry, they had, they had spacefaring technology, and ultimately they destroyed Lemuria and caused it to sink. And so the reptilians had to take refuge underground at that point, roughly, roughly 50,000 years ago. And they've been down there ever since. Again,
1: we hear of this reptilian race by many researchers. But I'm yet to see one piece of evidence in the fossil record. I mean, I know we've had giants because there's plenty of evidence to that. We had the Homo census, which is the little people in Indonesia. But for some reason, the Smithsonian history books, they don't want to talk about it. But we haven't seen anything in the fossil record or perhaps even before humans that were here. You know, why can't we find some physical remains somewhere? Have you found any evidence of this,
0: Len? Well, you see, what you have to keep in mind, Mel, is this. The reptilians actually inhabit the fourth dimension. They're not really third-dimensional creatures. They're not really 3D physical creatures as we understand it. That That's we can the perceive re- them, huh? Okay. Right. That's the reason they're able to to dominate the dreamscape and to program people at night and to go in and out of, through windows and doors without being stopped and to participate in the abductions. Now, the abductions themselves are being done by the greys, who are really just little bellhops Gosh, for yeah. the reptilians. But the reason we're not seeing their, the, the, the fossils is because they're third, they're fourth-dimensional entities. That gives them tremendous power over us lowly three-dimensional creatures. They can pop in and out of sight. They can pop in and out of invisibility. They can shapeshift. So if these fossils do exist, I'm sure they're at a very deep level. And actually, I don't think there are going to, we're never going to find very many of them.
1: Interesting. You mentioned that they, the reptilians, dominate the dreamscape because I had a similar conversation in very thoroughly with someone who respects you a lot. And I think he wrote a little something at in, in, in the introduction of your book uh, Jason quit didn't
0: yes Jason's a great guy and great terrific, guy terrific writer terrific writer
1: yes and he mentioned that that sometimes you can if you are engaging in out of body experience and you're starting to dream you go up and you can see this entity standing next to you a reptilian trying to dominate and put things into your mind because that's the only way they can do it as opposed to the physical world. That makes, I guess it makes sense, doesn't it?
0: Exactly. I mean, that's how. That's basically how they dominate us is through mind control. You know, we are being kept at a certain level of consciousness deliberately. That's how they do it. They, they are masters of doing that. They're a much older race than we are. They go back thousands of years in the Draco Constellation, we are newcomers to this whole game here. According to, uh, to Stuart Sverdlow, and I'm very confident that his that his uh, t- his history is, is rather accurate. I don't know how accurate, but uh, what he says is that the human race is only about 40,000 years old. And I think, based on all the evidence that I've come up with, that sounds like about the right number. That's how long we've been around. So we're dealing with a race of beings who go back to distant star system and are millions of years older than we are. So it's, you know, the sides are not exactly balanced here at all. They can, they can basically manipulate us and they have been manipulating us expertly for many, 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 many long years. So if you must have been around
1: and I like Stuart swordlow for about 40,000 years. Then what about these artifacts that are, you know, archaeologists continue to find, the Antikythera mechanism comes to mind, and the, the Baghdad battery, and a bunch of other items that are hundreds of thousands of years old. Then if it was not humans, who
0: were they then? Well... We know there have been several other models of humans before ah, Homo okay. sapiens came along. Uh, the Neanderthal were supposedly died out just around the same time as the Homo sapiens appeared. And Swerdlow says, and I believe he's right, that we were really created by 12, uh, 12 different human races from the galaxy who pooled their DNA and created us. And that, those for early models, such as Cro-Magnon, Homo erectus, and Neanderthal, were the first attempts before they got it right. And it took a while, but they kept tweaking it. And ultimately, Homo sapiens sapiens came along around 40,000 years ago. But that's, that's, that's a different race than the Atlantean humans. It's a totally different race. Because they were here about 50,000 years ago. They they had their highest civilization. Their golden age on Atlantis was about 50,000 years ago. And that makes more sense to me. And again, this is this show
1: is not about my opinion. It's about my guest's opinion. But I personally don't buy us coming from apes. Again, not a single piece of evidence in the fossil record showing an ape in transition. I think that Yes, I think that there was another type of humanoid in the past, and I am willing to bet it was much, much smarter than we are today. It had a a, a longer lifespan than we have today. There's evidence that our oxygen levels, mostly nitrogen, have been going down considerably, that perhaps gravity or electromagnetism or whatever you want to call it, has changed, and that's why in the past we had giants. Who cannot inhabit our planet today? So many questions, but I think that we had a different type of human back then.
0: Yes, absolutely, and that's the only—it's the only thesis that makes sense. If, if you think of how could Atlantis have created such a fantastic civilization with, with, with space-faring technology, with high spirituality? With I, I devoted a whole chapter to it in my book. I think you probably read that chapter on Atlantis. Sure. They had technology. Their streets were paved with gold, literally. Uh, they had they had robots. They had robotology. Uh, they they were already cloning humans. I mean, this was fifty thousand years ago. Our race was still hunting and gathering at that time, if, if that. Although the the new race that was created in so-called Garden of Eden was 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 very very well developed in many ways. But anyway. Uh, it explains why this explains and Stuart's furdough is the one that I have to give credit for it explains why the reptilians had to go underground when they were confronted by such a fierce race of humans who basically came from the Pleiades, but were really originally from Lyra.: But if the reptilians
1: have been inhabiting Earth or inner Earth, or whatever you want to call it, for millennia? Why would they allow the humans to take over? And they have to find refuge underground and keep themselves completely
0: separate from us. They found. Uh, they found that, according to Alex Collier, and, I, and we mentioned Alex Collier earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Have you had him as a as a as a guest? He's never accepted my invitations. Okay. Uh, Collier says, and this makes sense to me that they discovered that they could use humans. A, as a food source, an actual food source, because they do eat humans flesh, they do drink human blood, and also as an energy source. So for them, it would make more sense to keep us around and use us uh, and control us, and uh, why, why, why destroy uh, a food source and an energy source if they didn't have to, when they had total control of the planet anyway? which they do. They do have total control of the planet.
1: I hear that one of those energies that they love is fear. Could it be that, do you think that when you turn on the six o'clock news, and I know I I bore people by saying this all the time, you get somebody saying good evening and 10 seconds later they tell you why it's not a good evening and everybody's in fear watching TV and the news.
0: Exactly, and they thrive. They literally literally absorb those fear vibrations around the planet. And they keep us in a state of anxiety. They keep us in a state of worry uh, they, because they control the media. They control the media. They control the banks. They control uh, all, of, all, all the technology, the military, and the science, scientists, and the medical profession. They control all of that through the, through the Illuminati. So they already have total control of the human race. And they keep us in the dark.
1: I don't know if this happens to you and to you folks listening to us. Sometimes, if you ever turn on the news and it's something positive, or there's, you know, quiet or a promise of peace happening for a, a few days, the first thing that comes to mind is like, yes, when's going to be the next false flag? When's going to be the next problem? It's like they always keep you a little bit calm, but boom, it's always the next thing around the corner.
0: And also at war. Right. I mean, we thought we were through with war after World War One. The war that, that was supposed to be the war that ended all wars, remember? And then comes World War Two. Then comes Korea. Then comes Vietnam. It's perpetual. Now it's now it's terrorist. They they are the ones who are keeping us in a state of war, and that that breeds fear, that breeds anxiety, that creates many many human bodies for them to consume. Many, many more, less, many, 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 less population, they have control. They control the military through their cabal. So that's where we are now. And I, I view this, I view that where we are now more or less as a stalemate at the present moment. Because I think we're starting to grow in consciousness to the point we, where we will soon be able to actually confront the reptilians on an equal basis that day is not far off according to my calculations well what is it
1: 93 94% of our entire history as a country has been at a time of war 220 what
0: four out of 241 years yeah exactly so you see humans alone did not create this they have control of us and they can start a war and i made that point in the book that after they failed to globalize religion through the Catholic Church in Rome, they turned to war. They turned to World War in 1917, 1913, and they've kept us in a state of war forever since. Oh, we'll discuss that later.
1: You're talking about the Federal Reserve Act. Oh, isn't that so interesting? And we'll talk about it later. I, I mean, I'm glad that you're you're bringing these subjects that we'll discuss too. But you know, when you look at our solar system, or let's say planet Earth. If we needed something from another country, unfortunately as human beings we don't care if we need it for our survival, we're going to go and get it but if in a macrocosm let's look at our solar system who's fighting for our solar
0: system when you say who's fighting to control our solar system yes it, I, they've, they've already got they've already got it under control they are very powerful on Mars they destroyed maldek. I think you may have read about the story of Maldek, mm-hmm. a huge planet between Mars and Jupiter that was destroyed and became the asteroid belt. Right, the, yeah. They they were inhabiting Venus because Venus was their transportation from Draco. They came here inside the planet that we now call Venus. So, is, in essence, a planet is a spaceship. Exactly.
1: Could our moon be a spaceship? Or yes. same with the moons of Mars and, and Saturn
0: and Jupiter. Right. Exactly. The moon is artificial. Everyone agrees on it now. That that's commonly accepted now. It's a, it's an artificial structure. It faces one way. It never rotates, and it's, they put it in exactly the right position so that we would have eclipses, so they could use them as timing mechanisms. Uh, the the moon is it's definitely been placed here or brought here, and uh, the only the only race that had the ability to do that would have been the reptilians. I don't
1: know if this happened to you when you watched. Uh, I'm. I'm- I'm assuming you watched Star Wars when it came out in 1977.
0: I was outside. Right. I was at the premium, premiere premiere <laughs> in, in Hollywood.
1: As a child, I was—I think it was nine years old or ten—when I watched the movie. The first thing that came to mind when I saw the Death Star, and I came out of the movie, there was a full moon that night. I thought, "Wow, doesn't that look like the Death Star? I wonder if it's fake, like it, you know, man-made." And look, 40 years later, I'm—I'm
0: I'm wondering if that's true. Well, I may, yeah, I may, that's amazing that you had that thought at that early time because that was before you had any inkling that, that a race of extraterrestrials could actually create such a thing, right? Well, back
1: then I was living in Puerto Rico and we all knew about the Bermuda Triangle being in one of the corners in Puerto Rico. So I knew of the disappearances of ships and airplanes and I was there was a huge UFO wave around that area. So Star Wars came along. So all that thought was in the midst of that
0: era. Exactly. And I made the point in the book that Lucas was definitely influenced by uh, that knowledge. He had that knowledge. He was given that knowledge. And if you read it, uh, page uh, 64 of my book, I've discussed that in detail.
1: Now let's talk about Atlantis and Lemuria. Where do you think these continents were, and what happened to the landmass and their civilizations?
0: Well, according to Sverdlov, according to Stuart Sverdlov's cosmology, and uh, you know, you know, Stuart Sverdlov's uh, background, you know, the Russian, and and
1: the whole uh, uh, experiment in the East Coast. What's what's the name? Montauk Project. Yes,
0: and he he came into the Montauk Project at a very young age of. I think it was seven. So he had information, direct information, because the ETs were already working there at Montauk. And uh, so a lot of what he knows was not from study, but was from personal experience. And I do believe that uh, what he says, his cosmology is as follows. Um, When the reptilians arrived here, the humans were already here. The human race that had to spread out after Lyra was, just, after the Lyran invasion. Some of them came here, and they settled on Mars and Maldek. And they lived here peacefully, trading with each other for many thousands of years. And then, again, the reptilians showed up. And they destroyed Maldek, with, possibly with a particle beam weapon of some sort. Uh, Svartlo says, That they destroyed it by the fact that they came so close to it that it exploded. That because the pressure, the electromagnetic pressure, as a a huge body like that came close to another one, would have caused it to explode. Uh, I don't know where he gets his technology or his science from, but that's what he says. And he says, as it passed Mars, it stripped much of the atmosphere off of Mars so that the Martian humans had to retreat underground on Mars, and when it came to Earth, it went into mutual orbit around Earth. Evidently, they had decided that they were going to inhabit the Earth, and they were able to somehow dry it out and push it further out into the third orbit from the Sun, and then take over the second orbit from the Sun, which then became Venus but in pushing the earth out to the third orbit the planet dried out and two continents emerged out of the water because at that point the earth was an entirely water a water planet and we have discovered other water planets in the in the galaxy so we know they do exist and and what they did apparently was to dry it out to the point where the two continents could emerge And then, using the moon as a base of operations, which they they put in place, they began to slowly inhabit the Earth on the continent of Lemuria. And at that time, Atlantis was totally uninhabited. Uh, So now they were sitting in the catbird seat. They had they had a position here in this galaxy, in this solar system, uh, to alter themselves basically, and. They didn't ever think that perhaps another human race would invade the solar system, but that's what happened. That's what happened. That, that became Atlantis. We can talk about that. What cost the war, the cataclysms?
1: And by the way, were the cataclysms natural or were they, quote unquote, uh, made by them? And where did they migrate to? The... Uh,
0: According to Furdlow and others, they brought they brought the dinosaurs with them from from Draco, and when you're crossing the galaxy in a in a a planet or a spaceship the size of a planet, you can bring your entire uh, your entire technology, your entire uh, all all of your cut all of your natural uh, flora and fauna and animals with you, and Uh, They relied on the dinosaurs as a food source. When they took over Lemuria, uh, the dinosaurs were, of course, able to be raised or farmed any way they wanted because they had them under control. But then uh, the, the federation, the human federation, sent the Atlans here from the Pleiades. The idea was to confront the reptilians so that they would not be able to take over this solar system. And the Atlans created the civilization on Atlantis, and uh, they went into constant warfare with the with the reptilians, and they destroyed they destroyed many of the many of the many of the uh, dinosaurs because the dinosaurs were uh, a threat to the agricultural settlements and everything, and they wanted to get rid of them. So they had these electronic electromagnetic pulse weapons that they had developed, and they used them. And ultimately, these weapons caused Lemuria to sink. And before it did, many of the reptilians retreated underground, but they also retreated to to Japan, to Australia, and other continents in the Pacific. So now the, the human race had the surface world all to itself. And that's when the Golden Age of Atlantis began. And Svartos says that was about 50,000 years ago. So where
1: was Atlantis? Because, of course, everybody has a different opinion. To me, it sounds like they were somewhere between, you know, in the Caribbean all the way going to to Europe. And some of the people went to the Canary, Canary Islands, to the Basque Country, and to where else? I, I forgot the actual, and, and to um, the Berber's. That's what I've been told, that that's where they went.
0: Yeah, they they were colonies from Atlantis that went to Greece, Cyprus. Exactly, yeah. Yes, and uh, at that point, they did not yet inhabit Egypt. But uh, I think Samaria and some of the Middle Eastern countries were all refugees, or no, I shouldn't say refugees, I should say colonists from Atlantis. Atlantis was smack in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, You had the warm Atlantic current going up around the, the eastern side and you had the other current coming down around the western side so it kept it kept the continent in a very moderate a, with a kept it a very moderate climate there and they were able to uh, develop a very advanced civilization even though some say that at that time there was an ice age on this planet but if such an ice age did exist it, it was local it was not it was not planetary wide and i think that that atlantis benefited from those two warm currents that circ that circumnavigated the continent and stayed stayed in a temperate stayed with a temperate climate
1: what about the technology and by the way the greeks do you think the greeks which migrated from atlantis to to greece were they the ones who conserved most of the culture of Atlantis and this is why we hear a lot of this from Plato?
0: Absolutely the Greeks were very advanced in terms of philosophy in terms of mathematics everything you can imagine and all of that had to come from Atlantis because uh, the Atlanteans had the technology to build the great pyramids and that should tell you all you need to know about what kind of technology they had. Uh, I think there's been a lot of literature now about the fact that that the pyramids were really a power plant. Uh, I can't remember the author's name who wrote the book about that, but... The Giza power plant? Yes. The Giza power plant. Uh, supposedly by uh, the, the, the great genius behind the... Chris Dunn. Christopher Dunn. Christopher Dunn. The great genius behind the construction of the Great Pyramid was supposedly was Soth, T-H-O-T-H, who was a high priest on Atlantis. And so uh, the the Atlanteans created the Egyptian the Egyptian civilization. As, as Atlantis started to fade, they started to emigrate to nearby uh, continents, and their major their major route of uh, emigration was to Egypt. What about that was long after the Grecian
1: uh, rebellion. What about all these pyramids that we see around? We have pyramids in the United States. We have pyramids in China, in South America, Mesoamerica, in Angkor Wat, in in, in the Far East, in China, that the Chinese government pays farmers to keep grass on top of them so that the world doesn't find out that there was a different kind of ethnic group in that area preceding the Chinese. Uh, Even in Antarctica, there are pictures of pyramids. So... These pyramids were all over the place. When people think Atlantis was in one specific location, why can't we think that perhaps, unless there were colonies of Atlantis, what if Atlantis was the entire planet at one point in our past?
0: I don't think there's any question about it. I mean, if you look at the the pyramid construction in Central America and the pyramids in Egypt... Clearly, there's, there's some similarities. Absolutely. There, I mean, all the pyramids all over Central America, there are tons of them. And in Egypt, I mean, whatever civilization created them, it had to be Atlantis. And what happened was as the Atlanteans began to understand that the continent was going to sink, they knew about it well in advance, and they started the migrations at a very uh, early age, at a very early time. They started leaving in great numbers, and their top scientists, their mathematicians, uh, some of the most highly developed spiritual priests of Atlantis. They settled in Central and South America. They settled in Egypt. They settled all over the Mediterranean. Uh, like the I think the Cretan civilization was definitely Atlantean. But for the for the uh, for the Greeks to have developed such a high culture overnight, that that would not that was not something that had an early uh, flowering. It, it came all of a sudden. And the only explanation would be that it was a migration from Atlantis. So you find it interesting that when we
1: think of religion or mythology, rather, we look at the Greek gods, we think of uh, zoos then replaced by the Romans as Jupiter. And many other religions have done the same thing. Do you find that interesting? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I, I don't think that we can ever comprehend human evolution on this planet without understanding what went on on Atlantis. And that's why I devoted a whole chapter to it, and I quoted, I quoted liberally from a writer named Steve Omar, because Omar, I think, had the information. And uh, while somebody like Ignatius Donnelly was able to write an entire book on Atlantis, he he didn't get to the root of the matter. He didn't he didn't discuss their technology. He didn't discuss their science. Their science was so advanced that it was far beyond what we have today. Uh, although Donnelly made the point that even even this, the threads in their cloth it took they used 300 and, and 60, I think it's 360 threads to make a, sim, a single uh, cloth, whereas more of the primitive people would have used only two or three. And that that could only have come from Atlantis. It's the only explanation. Do you think,
1: Len, the true history of humanity existed at the Library of Alexandria and it was a threat to the new man-made religion because they could not control our minds if that knowledge persisted yes, there?
0: Yes, I do think that the, at the Library of Alexandria was a tremendous library, and it probably would have had the whole story of Atlantis in there, and they did not want it known. And even today, the whole Atlantis story has been suppressed. It's been suppressed in all our schools, all our colleges. They don't teach, teach it anywhere. Well, they, they talk about it as myth. As myth. If it hadn't been for Edgar Cayce, who brought it back, we wouldn't even been talking about it to this extent.
1: Now that's another one, and I know you've done a lot of research about Casey. Where do you think he got all that information?
0: Well, he was sort of he was he was more than a psychic. Uh, he would go into a sleep and a dream state, yeah, in A dream state, and uh, he was getting information from very high sources, probably from the fifth dimension, even from the sixth dimension, and uh, he was able to that way. He was able to see the past lives of. All the clients that came in, he he could read the akashic records. Uh, he was an incredible guy. Casey was an incredible guy, and he was the first one to break the story, really, about Atlantis to the public. Uh, I mean, Donnelly's book was written in the 1880s and had been long forgotten by the time Casey came along. And even then, everybody viewed it as him as a crackpot. They viewed, they viewed Donnelly as a crackpot. But even now, people like uh, Graham Hancock are are finally starting to revive Donnelly.
1: Well, you you know the saying, first they laugh at you, and then you know the rest of it, right? Exactly. What about the Atlantean technology? What do you think, what kind of technology did they possess back then?
0: There's no question that the biotechnology was way, way advanced. Uh, They were able to create clones. They were able to create robots. And... Robotology or artificial intelligence allowed them to actually create creatures that could do most of the work. And uh, Omar makes that point. And they had spaceships. According to Swerdlow, they were they were able, along with the Martians, who were also from Lyra, they were able to, to attack the, the reptilian outposts on the moon. And uh, what what uh, and successfully dispossess the reptilians from the moon. And many of them came here and joined their underground friends here. But I think you do you know about the most recent uh, evidence that we encountered aliens on the moon? Have you been reading about that?
1: I have been reading it. Well, whether it's real evidence or not, I have a. Again, this is not about me, but we can do an entire. Show as to why I don't think we went to the moon, if NASA today says they're building craft and uniform and, 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 uh, you know astronaut vest that could withstand going through the Van Allen belt, but again, that's a different story
0: Well, supposedly Buzz Aldrin either spoke about it or wrote about it. he said they were there when we got there. They were standing on the rim of the equator of the uh, of the crater well Alan Bean is saying
1: things of that sort these days
0: right there 's a lot of a lot of discussion about that. They were there, and that 's why we never went back. They stood there in a very uh let 's just say warlike pose with gigantic spaceships when we got there, and uh, we got the message so but, so we never went back
1: but i 'm sure you had to agree that let 's say entertain me for a second, and I know this offends a lot of people, but i 've done a lot a lot of research about this. And again, I don't think that we went to the moon. If the Wright brothers, they they manufactured their plane, not even 10 years later, we had commercial flight already. We had wars taking place with those planes. In other words, it was commercialized. Every time there's a big discovery, it's commercialized. We haven't been back to the moon in almost 50 years. And you're going to tell me, that that's not an area of a boost in the economy, building hotels, you know, going tours to the moon so many years later. And all we have are these firecrackers, rockets, that NASA, that's all they use. And we give them billions of dollars every
0: year. And that's the best they can do? Exactly. And that's exactly uh, the argument by uh, Richard Hoagland in his book, Dark Mission, yeah. which which you may have read. Sure. He said when he first saw the movie uh, 2001 in 1968, he said, oh, he was so inspired. Here, here's, here it is. It's finally arrived. Space travel. We're going <laughs> to yeah. be sitting on these spaceships and going to hotels on the moon and, and everywhere. He said, that was 50 years ago. And the reason is that they are not allowing us to colonize the moon. And they're in control. They're in control of the moon just like they're in control of under the Earth. They're, they're in control down there, too. We have, the, we have the surface world. That's all we have. We have the surface of the planet. You know, when I
1: think of, of, of the Dulce battle, the name Phil Schneider, you know the name Phil Schneider, right? Absolutely. Yeah. When I hear the name and I saw, because some people may say, oh, Mel, that's all this information. Like, okay, fine, if that's how you believe it. But the way he died, and I have seen the pictures of his dead body. And folks, if any of you have the stomach to take it, Google the images. And please tell me. That is, to me, beyond any shadow of a doubt. He did not commit suicide. The way you see the body choked to death with blood coming all over the place, there's no way. And what he was, well, you know the whole story about the Dulce battle.
0: Yeah, now how did you get that photo? They have Those photos are out on the website.
1: They are. I interviewed a young man years ago, and he actually forwarded the pictures to me, thinking that they were not public, but then I... There's there's a function, folks, you probably know about this, thanks to Richard Dolan, who taught me how to do this, because we get... You probably do too. You get people saying, hey, Mel, I saw this UFO last week. Well, the first thing we do, we go to Google Images, we put the picture, and it tells us that that picture has been debunked since the 1970s, and you see all the original ones. So that's what I did. I posted the pictures of uh, Phil Snyder, dead body, and I found the rest of them. And they're just, you know, very sad to see.
0: Holy mackerel. Really? That's amazing. And they were out there on Google Images, huh? Yes. Yes. Wow. And so tell me exactly what it looked like. It just had something around his neck. Well, it showed him,
1: well, different positions, but one of them is him sitting on his, his chair. And apparently they used... They're saying that he committed suicide. How can you commit suicide by choking yourself with these rubber bands that they use to, to, to you know, when they're going to insert needle? They use these two rubber bands around his neck, and there's just blood pouring out of his face.
0: I mean, come on now. I know. You know, he barely escaped being killed on the first time he went down there. When he took out his gun, he had a 9mm pistol with him, and they lowered him into this. Into this uh, chasm, this cavern. Mm-hmm. His job was to was to build a vent, a, a vent for allowing air into the cavern. And there were two. He was in a chair that was lowered down there. When he got down there, he saw hundreds of the of the graves standing there, looking at him. And he was alarmed. He took out his gun, and they immediately uh, fired at him. And he was, if it hadn't been for his friend, who threw him into an upward bound uh, chair. He would have died at that moment.
1: And he showed. He showed the scar on his chest and the missing digits.
0: He lost fingers, yeah. Right. Uh, So, but I think the reason they finally did kill him was because he started to speak out publicly too much, right? Is that what happened?
1: That's exactly what happened. And and that's another thing. He never charged for anything, he didn't have a book, a movie. He was just showing the truth. And he said it if I am ever. If I ever commit suicide, don't believe that I did.
0: Right. You made that statement. Yep. And I talked about that in my book. So you see, uh, so you see that they, down there and the so-called Dulce Wars, I think, were a reality. Don't you agree with that?
1: Oh, there's so much about that. And, you know, we've had uh, Dr. Dr. Richard Souter, who has been kind of in hiding. You know, do you know the name? Well, you know Richard Dolan, uh, Richard. Richard Sutter, the deep underground military bases. And uh, I believe he was beaten really, really badly in South America, I believe it was. And he has been out of sight for quite a long time. But I think that we indeed have deep underground military bases. We probably have a highway system underneath. And I think a lot of the money that we see in this fake space program is going into all these other technologies Call it uh, a breakaway civilization. Call it a secret space program, or call it what you will. Right, exactly. And who beat him? T- who was who did who beat him in South America? Nobody knows. I know that he was, was in a hospital for months.
0: Who oh, Sauter? Sauter was. Yep. Yes, he was. Uh-huh. see, that's information. That's news to me too. Well, Snyder said that he was involved in building 130 uh, dumb bases, deep oh, underground yep. military bases. And so you can be sure they're all over the United States. And uh, I think he said there were some in Mexico and Canada as well. And so, but the one at Dulce is important because the question is, why did they select that particular location in northern New Mexico to create that underground base? What was the reason for it? Why that particular place? There's only one. There's only one logical answer to that. the The original, the original, reptilian bases underground, were were down there at that very location, and so they just connected up with them. They were already there uh, as part of their underground empire, and uh, they were in control of that whole area underground. And so the dumb base just was built adjoining that particular uh, colony. Just like the one in Antarctica. Same situation.
1: You know, for the first time in my life, I actually went to New Mexico a few weeks ago. I drove, and I was very surprised to see the amount of vastness of the state and the vastness of of nothingness. And it's mainly is Native American.
0: Exactly. I drove from Albuquerque down to to the conference in uh, Roswell. It was Baron okay. Baron
1: Baron. Nothing, right? But I, what I hear, I've never been to Dulce, but it was, um, God, I, I'm forgetting names, gosh. The, the Japanese gentleman who's also a UFO researcher, Norio, Norio Hayakawa, my good friend. Anyway, he was telling me years ago that if you go to Dulce, very poor town, but you see this huge, massive library, that costs millions of dollars for a place that has a population of how many? There's a few hundred. And it makes you wonder why they, and when I asked him, why do you think that is? Why do they have so, much, so many nice government buildings here and there's nobody to support them? And what he's, he told me, I think it was what he said, because they want the population to be quiet. They're going to be supporting the population there, but they're going to be doing their shenanigans on the side and underground while they keep everybody quiet. Do you lend credence to that?
0: Yeah, I agree. I Sounds plausible, doesn't it? And the and the interesting thing about that, uh, Mel, is that wasn't Nayakawa, Hayakawa a skeptic initially? He was. Whole story? Yes, because he's more of a scientific, more of a scientist. Correct. And he wasn't. He wasn't a believer for a long time. So apparently, the apparently the situation at, at uh, Dulce convinced him then. Must have. Now,
1: we mentioned, I want to get into the bio-horrors, if you will. All the mythical creatures that that we think of, the Minotaur, even the Manticore, and all these mythical creatures that, you know, some people play in Dungeons and Dragons and World of Warcraft. Do you think that in reality these creatures existed? Perhaps they were what we deem to be slaves today. They were slaves back then because mixing a human... With an animal would have been, you know, productive for whatever endeavors they were working on back then.
0: Absolutely, the Atlanteans had that technology. They had it from a very early time. They were creating. They were creating these monsters in Atlantis. They were experimenting with them, the Minotaur, all of those, the half horse, half man, uh, all of that stuff, and a lot of that was transferred to Egypt uh, when they when they colonized Egypt. The Egyptians did have a lot of that. And that's why a lot of these uh, carvings on uh, some of the some of the Egyptian buildings show these creatures that are part animal and part human.
1: You know, it really makes you wonder. And and I know that our friend David Polites might not want me to say this because he's totally he wants proof before he can talk about anything that could be causing You know, you have him on his on your book regarding the mysterious disappearances in national parks. But some people have reported that. In some of these disappearing areas, they're close to a military base. And some people have spotted these anomalous creatures roaming those areas. And it makes me wonder if some of those disappearances are linked to those.
0: Well, my my belief, I don't know what the numbers are, but uh, Alex Collier said the number was something like, somebody mentioned that the fact that 25,000 people disappear every year. I think it's probably much higher because... We don't really know the numbers. We don't right. really know the numbers. There's nobody that keeps track of them, uh, and that most of them do appear to be young, and ch- and the ch- a lot of children. Uh, it's, a, it's the H.G. Wells story. It's perfectly the same as 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 the time machine, when the Morlocks came up and took down all the young people down down below and used them as food. Not to mention that some of
1: these children c- come from. So, I don't mean to interrupt you, but some of these children come from broken homes or orphanages, and they're being—they're disappearing. But you probably heard Pizzagate, right? Okay, that's another story too.
0: And we get into the whole big subject of child trafficking, which is, and 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 pedophilia, which is a huge subject that the the reptilians and the Illuminati have managed to to keep it tamped down, and to keep it from really exploding. But it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's the most important story on the planet right now.
1: Absolutely. These,
0: children, these Pedophile rings are taking these children, killing them, having sex with them. It's unbelievable. And that we're talking about prominent men, prominent people, wealthy people. And, you know, something has to happen to reveal this whole thing and blow it wide open. You know, to me,
1: I know some people are going to attack me by saying this, for anybody who's human, to be doing this, to be using a child, abusing a child in any way, shape, or form, that to me shows that you are not fully human, or you have been affected so much from childhood to be able to perpetrate such a thing. That to me is the worst crime against humanity.
0: Exactly. And you know, Mel, that's why I took the time in my book to write the two chapters about World War II and the horrors that went on there, The Rape of Nanking the rape of Belgium, the horrible things of, of soldiers sticking a little child with a bayonet and push it, and throwing them up in the air and laughing at it at the same time. To imagine such crimes and all the, all the things that happened at Auschwitz and everywhere, you have to realize we can't be dealing with human beings. Human beings, as we understand the term, would, would not be, comp- would not be uh, able to do such things. So we're dealing with with entities who have been programmed, perhaps in their dreamscape, by the reptilians who, who really rule the fourth dimension. It's the only explanation. It's the only explanation. Such brutality is not native to the human to the human race, I don't believe. And I may I tried to make that point in the book. And yeah, we have so much more to discuss
1: in the member section. How can people buy the new book, Alien World Order, and your other book? Is it now there's three books, right?
0: Yeah, I have three books. And my website is more or less, rep- it's, it's, it's presentable now, let put it that way. It's still, <laughs> under, still under construction, but there is enough out there now to, to be of interest. Uh, but my books can all be bought through Amazon or through Barnes & Noble. And they're in probably most of the Barnes & Noble bookstores. Uh, I just got German copies of uh, my Serpo book, it Just came in the mail. Oh, great. So they they're now they're now they've now been that has now been translated to German, uh, and I think it's also being translated to Japanese, if I'm not mistaken. That's a fascinating story too. Yeah. So, uh, but certainly you can always buy the books from Amazon, and right now the new book is a little cheaper uh, than the Usurpo book. So, uh, if you're planning on buying it, this is a good time to buy it. Kind of a
1: special offer for being so new. I met. Uh, your publisher, Vanessa Carpenter, the person who, who who scheduled this, yeah, met her in person right here in Tucson at the book fair at the university.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, she's terrific. She's really doing a hell of a job. You know, she's she's the one that links me up with a lot of a lot of these interviews. Oh,
1: she's wonderful. I think I owe a, a debt of gratitude for the entire program that we have here because of her. But don't go anywhere, folks. The book is filled with lots of stuff, maybe stuff that you're not expecting that we're going to be discussing. So if you want to hear the rest of it, go to the member section. This is Mel Fabregas, and I'm here with Len Kasten, Alien World Order, The Reptilian Plan to Divide and Conquer the Human Race. Don't go anywhere. Thanks for listening to part one of this very important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest, head on over to the member section or subscribe at veritasradio.com. You don't want to miss the rest. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store where you can find great products like pure organic sulfur, rebounders,
0: turmeric, and other great supplements. Thank you.